Noon hour, middays with MFB. Tim Benjamin, Maloney, Christian Fourier. We'll talk some Boston Bruins right now, and welcome to the show as we always do at noon on Wednesdays. Andy Brickley, he is brought to us by Shaw's Supermarkets. Andy, it was what I thought might have been the most interesting watch to date for the Boston Bruins season. The win last night over the San Jose Sharks, 5-3. to three. Uh, They get the empty netter at the end from David Krejci and go on to beat San Jose. Um, I thought what was particularly interesting about the game was for as well as the Bruins played, they did so without Patrice Bergeron having one of his better games. In fact, he struggled at times and got that double minor at the end. And if you're looking for signs that this team is starting to uh, get a little closer to the identity that they want, then that is a real good sign, and it's amplified because it was not one of his best games. And with him in the penalty box, I think you get a pretty good idea of you know, what a great effort it was by that penalty-killing group, knowing that uh, you know, their key guy was in the box. and that they, Not only did they want to do it because they needed the two points and they needed the win, but it was, it was uh, also because they wanted to... You know, to have his back, so to speak, because uh, he's very rarely in those situations, those negative situations. So a real good effort, and uh, it was interesting that uh, that both teams used timeouts in that situation. Obviously, San Jose wanted to have their top five guys on the ice for the entire four minutes in order to get the tying goal, and then the Bruins were able to use their timeout to make sure that they had Seidenberg and Shara on the ice because they were immense in that situation. So good win for Boston last night, and they looked a little bit more like the team we want them to be. Yeah, Bergeron, uh, minus 2, 9 and 13 in the faceoff dot, and we talked about the penalty at the end. The PK unit bailed him out, as you talked about, Andy. On the positive side, from the uh, special team's point of view as well, when it comes to the uh, power play, we've got to talk about that too. I thought the, f- the first two power plays where they scored – uh, looked real smooth, lots of puck movement. Uh, Krug, in particular, I thought was very good. What did you think of the power play last night? Well, I love the fact, first of all, that they have two units that they can go to. There's a healthy competition between the two units as to you know who's going to be the supreme power play, which is which is always good in-house competition. Uh, the fact that they each have a mobile defenseman out high, one unit with Krug, one unit with Hamilton. Krug, the last three games, has been just phenomenal with his skating ability, his creativity, the fact that he was able to slide over and play the right side in that second pairing last night with Seidenberg was a very good move because the combination of Bartkowski on the left and Seidenberg on the right for both an exhibition game and one of the regular season games was not successful by a long shot. So to move Krug up there and then to have him be the force that he's been, the offensive uh, uh, power that he's been, that even strength as well as in the power play. But the power play is real good, and you're exactly right, Tim. When they move, when they move and move the puck quickly and create different passing scenes and get traffic in front of the net and give themselves a number of different options uh, and, and you keep your bodies fresh because you have the two units, then you're going to have a pretty good, pretty good and pretty successful power play. Yes, power plays can be a little streaky, but they have the personnel and they have the understanding of what that power play should look like and how it scores goals. And, and uh, it can be a difference maker like it was last night. Yeah, so you, you mentioned this, you know, this team starting to look like a Bruins team. You know, it seems like a lot of guys contributed. Nine different players recorded at least one point. Is it just the fact that there's been more time has gone by, uh, a step up in competition, you know, realization that, okay, we can't let ourselves get too far behind as far as, you know, wins and losses? All of the above. And uh, and I think just the fact that uh, these guys have great pride and they don't like to be, A, under 500, B, a losing team, uh, C, they know they have a bunch of home games coming up, D, you don't want to be chasing uh, teams that are in the playoff structure, but Thanksgiving generally make the playoffs, and 
and don't feel sorry for ourselves. Don't look up and down the roster and say we don't have certain plays anymore and we've lost a piece of our personality with the guys that are gone. Hey, we still have our core group. We still have enough talent to be winning hockey games, and and let's play to our strengths. And and, and don't estimate, underestimate, uh, you know, the team defense and strength down the middle. I know that's something that we talk about ad nauseum, but if you have quality goaltending and you have a, a group of six defensemen that you believe in, and you're strong down the middle, and now that you have Krejci back in the lineup, he missed the first few games. Now you got Campbell back in the lineup, so you have your fourth sentiment. And then now you start to see guys starting to get on the scoreboard. Marshan gets his first last night. Lucic looked a little bit more like the player that he can be last night. So guys are starting to find their game a little bit, uh, less tentative and a little bit more buy-in. And when they play like that, they're a hard team to beat. Yeah, so that's what I like about Brick, right? So I asked him a, a multiple-choice question. He gave me a, a, a multiple-choice answer. So Unlike, unlike some Rodney of, Harris, Unlike some of our <laughs> other guests. I mean, he's all into it. Hey, Brick, you know, uh, early in the year, you know, we kind of put check marks next to, like, that second, third line, right? We just said, okay, with the – this is we feel comfortable there. You put a check mark next to that fourth line now that Gregory Campbell has come back. I know I don't know what you expect out of Gagne long term, but that fourth line, Gregory Campbell has made a difference. Oh no question, no question, and and he's one of those glue guys. And uh, you know when you have that kind of experience and that kind of team first attitude, a guy that knows his role uh, and keeps it simple. Other guys feed off that. And, and Gagne understands the opportunity that he has in front of him, and, and he's not certainly going to complain about whether he's playing first line or fourth line. He's a veteran guy. He's got good skills. He's not that 40-goal scorer that he used to be, but he's got veteran savvy. He has the ability to kill penalties. He made some good plays along the wall last night. And it gives you a little bit of flexibility that if you're going to put the kid on the, you know, on the top line with Krejci, and, and he looked good last night. He looked comfortable with Seth Griffith. Uh, but you have that flexibility that because you get a lot of inconsistency in young players, you know that you can go to a Gagne like they've done in the game against Detroit, like they did against Montreal on that three-game road trip, where you can slide them in there if things aren't going well later in the hockey game and you're pushing for something else. Uh, and, and maybe it's not the long-term solution unless Griffith, you know, blossoms into a into an NHL regular and a guy that you can trust and rely on to be a three-zone guy. Uh, at this point in the season, they do have some flexibility with a guy like Gagne in there. But Campbell coming back allows you to have that flexibility. But, again, it's it's one more guy that Claude can rely on in close games. And when you have that trust player to coach, then you generally can get good results. Hey, Brick, you know, we, uh, Seidenberg looked trying to find who's going to pair with him, right? It's been an ongoing thing now for a while. Last night, Tory Krug, can he, can he give you the kind of minutes required at that position or you still think kind of offensive power play type of guy? Can he do that? Can he pair up with Seidenberg? Absolutely, he can give you those kinds of minutes. And, and it's it, when you talk to, to Tory Krug, he has that uh, that great desire, that, like in all athletes, where you know I want to be more than one dimensional or two dimensional. I want to be a complete player. I want to be a guy that can be relied on. I can defend even in my you know, smaller statue. I uh, I still know how to use angles and leverage and and the ability to box out, and protect in my own zone. But he can handle the minutes. Certainly, he's a gifted skater. Uh, he's a pretty good decision maker, and him on the off wing, I mean, the, or the offside, I should say, on defense, is probably your best option with the group of six that they have right now. Uh, Seidenberg, who can play the right side and certainly has played there and flourished in the past, he's not there yet with his mobility and his conditioning and his strength and his overall comfort because he hasn't played hockey in a long time. Uh, and that could be an option with him on the right side down the road. But right now, Krug on that right side can handle top four minutes. He showed you that last night. And he's a guy that has a tremendous desire to be a, a, a complete player. And uh, yes, there will be some bumps along the road. There'll be some games where you know he will struggle at times because he's still a young guy looking for that consistency. 
but he's your best option right now. Andy Brickley with us from Ness. And Andy, if you tell me that I'm making something out of nothing here, I'll understand. But one thing I, I noticed last night, I thought anyway, is I thought they were just moving their feet a lot better. I know what you were saying earlier on the power play, how they were moving the puck a lot. I just felt like the team in recent games has started to skate better, move its feet better. Uh, and keep plays going more. And I'll use as evidence those three consecutive tripping calls that San Jose got. When I see another team having to reach with their stick and reach out and grab and trip you, it means that you're moving your feet better than the other team largely. Are you seeing that as well? Because I know that was a point of contention early in the season when the Bruins got off to a bumpy start. I do, and that's something that uh, you know all the elite teams in the National Hockey League, uh, if they don't skate, they're not going to be a dominant team. And the Bruins... You know, they go into Detroit. Detroit wants to be a skating team. Uh, they're a young team. They're trying to develop young players. They need to play an up-tempo game. You go into Montreal, home opener, you see the energy and their, and their ability to skate, and you don't win that game. And part of the reason is, well, it was poor decision-making, but your skating game wasn't where it needed to be in order to win. It was good. It was better. They went into Buffalo, inferior team, but they skated even better. So, you know, they got better with each game on that road trip in terms of the skating game. You come home. Now you play San Jose, one of the California teams, the reputation that they can play the game any way you want, but it all begins with skating. So the Bruins knew coming into that game that if they brought their skating game, then the rest of their strategy will fall into place. It allows them to forecheck. It allows them to have that great back pressure. It allows them to, to draw penalties, to your point. And then when you get on the power play, don't get stationary. Don't be standing still in, in a formation. Skate. You get good results. And when you get uh, when you get everybody to buy into that, and especially a guy like Lucic, you know, Lucic is skating. It seems like everybody else follows suit. And when he's not skating, it's hard to get him to get moving, you know. And, and if he's moving, then generally you're going to see the Bruins play to the style that they want to play. Lastly, Brick, what do you think about Boychuk coming back tomorrow? <laughs> Excited to see him. Uh, he's cooled off a little bit, but after that great start, there's always a lot of adrenaline, but... Uh, Tons of personality, real good kid. You wish him a lot of success. Uh, you know, hope he has a good game and a losing effort. Hey, Brick, real quick. I mean, we haven't talked to you since that Montreal game. Are they still the team that, that the Bruins have to look at and figure out a way to get through? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that was a game where the Bruins did a lot of good things, but they had some mental lapses. And, and a team like Montreal, you can't afford to have as many mental lapses as they had. There's still that, that tough matchup for Boston. And uh, this, this battle for first in the division and, and the season series will be a long one, and it'll be a tough one. It'll be their biggest challenge this year. Brick, thanks so much. Appreciate the time. You're not worn out after last night. I mean, you guys were the stars of your own show last night, it felt like, <laughs> going out dropping the puck at center ice, Nesson yeah. night, the whole nine. Well, you know, it's easy for me because I just ride Jack's coattails. <laughs> thanks, Brick. Appreciate <laughs> it. Okay, fellas. All right, that is Andy Brickley. He joins us once a week to talk Boston Bruins hockey.